uh, for joining us this morning. For those in the room, welcome. Thanks to those watching online. For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Mark, and uh, just grateful to spend some time with you uh, this morning, just celebrating who God really is. And uh, I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, have you ever had you know the, the the question go through your mind or the thought go through your mind that you know I think I'm going to need a bigger box? Have you ever had that? I mean, I had that, <laughs> had that a couple times this week. You know, as you begin packing up your summer clothes, you realize how many you have. And you're like, man, you're like, uh, I think I'm going to need a bigger box. Or I helped a guy this week. I helped him move. And, uh, he, you know, people always underestimate how much stuff they have. Uh, thank goodness this wasn't the pickup truck that I borrowed. But uh, I realized once I saw it, I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to need a bigger box. I end up with a trailer as well. Or maybe it's like the complaint box at work. And it's like, you know, where you get to complain about your boss or about the politicians or, you know, about COVID or just life or your parents. It's like, yeah, we're going to need a bigger box. Uh, This morning, I want to talk about that and how uh, it relates to the idea of God. Because I wonder if in our, if in our thoughts about God and the way we re- relate to God and in the way we live our life uh, in that understanding, if we have put him in a box somehow, and if we maybe this morning need to um, consider getting a, a bigger box, you know, maybe that thought of like, well, what do you mean God, in a, do I have him in a box? Here's a couple of questions, a couple of thoughts for you. Like, you know, I, I find that sometimes even for myself, it can be easy to put him in the weekend box. Do you ever have that where really the only time you are really thinking about God is like when you're, you know, here or when you're watching online? It's like, it's your weekend thing. You know, or maybe you've got like the religion box, which, you know, religions around the world have created boxes for God. They call them these, they call them churches. People refer to them as the house of the Lord, as if this building is so holy because it's the box where God lives. I'm just telling you, as soon as you leave, so does he. He's, you know, his presence is here, but his presence, the church is the, is the people. Maybe you have him in a limits box. You know, maybe you prayed about things and God didn't answer the prayers. And so now you just can't believe for that anymore. You know, God does impossible things <laughs> and he didn't for me. I don't, you know, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't pray about those kind of things anymore. There's, he's, yeah, he's God, but he's, he must have limits of some sort. Or maybe you have the transaction box where for you, it's like, you know what, if I, uh, if I do this, well, then God will do this for me. And that's kind of your, your, um, your relational box that you have him in. And for some, you've even got verses. It's like, well, it says, you know, in here and here, if you ask in my name, you'll have whatever you want. So God, I'm asking, please may I have that Ferrari in Jesus' name. And uh, it hasn't showed up yet, but you're like, man, I did what I need to do. God, when are you going to do what you're going to do? And we have this transactional box. You ever, you ever find yourself maybe drifting into one of those boxes? I think that we need to consider this morning maybe getting a, a, a bigger box. You know, about 3,040 years ago, anybody there? 3,040 years ago? Just Zane. Huh. I wondered about you. Uh, 3,040 years ago, we actually have a chance to look into the history of the nation of Israel. And I, I realized, you know, that this whole idea of putting God in a, in a box isn't, isn't new for us. It ha- the, there's a man named Samuel. Samuel was the, the current leader. Uh, he was a judge, not a king, but uh, he was a, a, a leader in the nation of Israel, and he was actually a historian as well. And he wrote down the account of what happened with this little fledgling nation as it was, uh, you know, going from a, a tribe to becoming a people. And uh, they, they, where they were, they were, had these na- uh, neighboring tribes that just hated them. One of them was the Philistines. Anybody know the f- famous story of David and Goliath? It's those Philistines, but they were a younger tribe at this point as well, but they didn't like each other. And there was this big battle between Israel and the Philistines, and the Philistines killed 4,000 of the Israelite troops. 
That's a, that's a tough loss. But what I found is I read in 1 Samuel 4, verse 3, here's what Samuel writes about that moment. He says, after the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camp. You can just picture them, you know, tail between their legs. Man, how did this happen? You know, we're God's people. How did this happen? It says, then the elders of Israel asked that very question. Hey, why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Man, I thought we were God's people. How could, how could this bad thing happen to us? And so then they said, you know, we got a plan. And, you know, I wonder if people today still ask some of those questions. You know, God, why, why didn't, you know, that prayer not get answered? God, why did that person, you know, the, you know, why did some say, you know, why did you take my grandparent? Or why did, you know, why did things not go out? The, why did you take my job? Why did you let COVID happen? God, if you're all powerful and if you're good, why did you let this happen? Well, they had the same questions, just about different things. God, why, <laughs> why did you allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? It says, then they, they came up with a plan. They had this idea. They said, you know what, wait, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant uh, of the Lord from Shiloh. Because if we carry that into battle, it says, if we carry that into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. And you can actually just um, replace the word it with, if we carry God into the battle, it'll save us from our enemies. Why, why is that? Because, you know, the Ark of the Covenant looks something similar to this. It was a box where they assumed that, the, the, that God lived, that he lived in this box. You know, if you wanted God, you went and found wherever this box was because God had given them this representation of himself and said, Here's, this is a representation of my presence in the nation of Israel. But he says, it's not. It's not my presence. But they thought, man, we got God in our box. If we can just take him into the battle, man, it's going to work out for us. But that box was smaller than this. The box was really the size of their own mental capacity. And I wonder if we sometimes do the same thing, that transactional box. Oh, you know, if I, if I pray the right prayer, if I've got God in my life, then everything should work out. God should be doing stuff for me. And I, I think that's the temptation that they fell into 3,000 years ago and many people fall into today. We want God to do something for us. And, and there's nothing, you know, like terribly wrong about having that thought. But what it does is it, puts, it, it, it automatically puts us in the role of we're God and God, you should serve me. God, I, I've got really important things going on in my life and, and I think you should do something about that. And the second, the second that we do that, we build a box that we try and stuff God in. And I wonder, does he really fit? You know, and all of a sudden then the questions become, come up. You know, is God strong enough? to handle my issues? Is God big enough to get me out of my predicament? If God was really good, you know, then, then bad things shouldn't happen to me. And we begin to construct the box. Then we begin to wonder, well, do, does God really care? Because I prayed he should have. He didn't. So I don't know if he really cares. Is God really good? Does God really love me? Can God really forgive me? If I obey God, then, you know, maybe he's going to love me more is what Gary referenced last week. And I'm grateful that, you know, Gary's part of our teaching team and what he had the chance to share last week. If you didn't hear it, please go listen to it. It was, it was excellent. It's that his thought, too, was that, you know, God doesn't love me more if I obey more, but sometimes we get there. Or if I only pray more, then maybe, you know, God will do what I want him to do for me. But in that way, man, we've limited God to a box of our own design. You wonder, how did it work out for these guys? You know, if you know the story from Sunday school, you know the ending. But if you don't, you know, they, 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 it says in, in, in verse 10 of that same chapter, they brought the box into the battle. And man, the enemy was terrified. And it says it worked. 10, 10 or not even 10, 30,000 soldiers died that day. It, it says it, the slaughter was great. They had brought God into their battle. 
The only problem was it was Israelite soldiers that were slaughtered. You know, it says the survivors fled. The ark was captured. You know, the priest's sons who carried that ark, they were, they were slaughtered as well. It was just total loss. Total loss. But wait, we had God. We had God. The problem is they thought they had their God in a box, and and I wonder if sometimes we are tempted to do the same thing. You know, last weekend I was uh, up up north with my family, and Beth, uh, the one night, came in, and she's like, you got to go out and lay on the dock and just look at the stars. You can see so many more stars up here because there's so much less light, and I was like, man, i got to go do that. I've been to Elk Lake, and I've seen the stars there, and I thought, you know, go lay out on this dock. You guys ever done that? Lay out there and just look at the stars? And it doesn't make you feel small. It's like, man, you look, you're like, wow. Like, I can see further than I can see before. And it's like, man, I, I feel small. You know, David, David uh, as he wrote, you know, the Psalms, he would look out at that, the, that sky back then with no other light. In Psalm 8, he says this. He says, when I look at the night sky and when I see the work of your fingers, when I see the moon and the stars, God, that you set in place, can you picture David sitting there in total darkness just looking? He says this, man, what are mere mortals? Like, who am I that you would even think about us? Like when I look at what you did, God, with your hands and how big that is, how big you must be, man, who am I that you would even think about me? Who are humans that you should even care for them? Later on, a psalmist would write in Psalm 33, he says, you know, the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He just breathed. He breathed out the word and all the stars were born. Man, I bet you he felt small or she, whoever it may have been. You know, Isaiah, one of the prophets, would later write about, about the Lord and just simply wrote this. He says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? You look at the oceans, think, man, he holds it in his hand. Or who's measured off the heavens with his fingers? He says, man, if you think about God for a second, if you look at the expanse and wonder, man, who, God measured that with his hand. See, we, we have this thing in our culture that makes us feel like we're pretty big and that God is pretty small. It's this thing called sin. Sin puffs us up as if we're somebody important. And sin shrinks God down to try and stick him in this box. But man, my, my hope today is that that box might be just blown apart in my mind and in yours. I saw a video this week, because I wonder if our box is too small. When I saw this video this week, I uh, watched it with my kids. And once again, I've seen things like this before, but it just somehow uh, affected my life uh, in, a, in a real way again. And here, here's the thought this morning. Here's Earth. This is where we live. But as you consider, you know, our planet's not even one of the biggest planets. You know, if you look at some of the other ones just in our solar system, they're bigger than us. Those planets, we're, they're, they're greater than us. You look at Saturn. You know, here... Uh, Here's one of the red dwarf stars. It's one of the smaller stars, but it's way bigger than Earth already. You know, Jupiter, obviously huge. Here's a, you know, one of the largest possible planets, obviously way bigger than ours. And then here's the sun. Just stop it there for a second. You know, maybe I can give you a little bit of context. If you've seen Louis Giglio, you'll have seen this. But if you haven't, go Google, you know, if the Earth was a golf ball. Picture the Earth. Can you find yourself on it for a minute? Let's just say if earth was a golf ball and you live on it and we are right there right now, do you see yourself? You're like, well, why a golf ball? Because this is one of the few ways maybe we can show you just how big, if God's breathing out stars and measuring stars, just how big. You know, we think if this is earth, 
orbiting around our sun. The, the problem is that this is only about 8 feet. This actually needs to be 15 feet wide for it to be to scale for our sun, for our, for our sun and our planet. And we live somewhere on there. He's big. He's big. But it, get, it, gets, it gets worse. Here we have Sirius satellite radio named after that star. You know, here's Pollux, Arcturus. These stars that we've uh, discovered through the Hubble telescope, finding these massive, massive stars. Here's Regal, beautiful name for a beautiful star. You know, them <laughs> even brighter. But look at, look at how many kilometers across. 1.25 million kilometers across. Betelgeuse, massive star. Here, pause on this one. Canis Majoris. Canis Majoris is not the largest star in our solar system, in our universe that we know of, in our galaxy. But Canis Majoris is the, the biggest one that I know the measurements for. You know, Canis Majoris, if Earth was a golf ball, if Earth was the size of a golf ball, this star is the height of Mount Everest. Can you just picture that for a minute? You go and you set your golf ball down at the base of Mount Everest, and you back up and try and look and see. Now, that's, the star is not the size of Mount Everest. This, that star is that size compared to your planet. And somewhere, somewhere on here is you, and somewhere on here is me right now. Dang, we're pretty important. Do you know how many of these fit in that? Seven quadrillion. Seven quadrillion of our planets fit in that one star. How big is seven quadrillion? Well, just take golf balls and start putting them all over the road. Put them all over your property. Fill the province of Ontario with golf balls and then do it 20 more times. That's how many of these fit in that star. And we live somewhere on one of those. Did you find your golf ball? Did you find you somewhere on there? That's just the star. You know, as we think about these stars making up galaxies, and we can just show you as they go, there's bigger stars yet. You might be able to see that. This is the biggest star that we know of. It's even bigger than the one we just talked about. And then as you begin to back out, and we can't even go by this, you know, time anymore in the sense that we know it. We got to go by light years and just begin to back out and just see how many of these stars are out there. <laughs> As you start going light years away, you just begin to see millions and billions and billions. There's a there's hundred billion stars in our galaxy alone. A hundred billion stars. Each of them has at least one planet surrounding them. You keep going back. You got to back up. You know, 100,000 light years just to see our galaxy full. He's measuring that in his hand. You know, you just keep going. It's not just the only galaxy. There's other ones. You can see more and more galaxies around us. And as the farther that you back out, it just keeps going and going and going. It's crazy, right? That word I can't pronounce, the Hawaiian, is immeasurable heaven immeasurable. And yet he measures it with his hand. And it says, you know, they say this is the afterglow of the Big Bang. That's what science tries to say. <laughs> and I say, yeah, the Big Bang was like he said, let there be light. And there was. And that has just continued on and on and on. And how big are we? Because somewhere in there is this little golf ball, this little earth planet, it's, it's not even a pixel. It can't even be a pixel. It's so, so tiny. And somewhere you and I s sit on that planet. 
right here this morning with our big problems and our tiny little God. Man, I really wonder if we really understand how big God is. Last night as we were chatting around our table, some were saying, man, yeah, if he's that big, man, he's that far away. It's just, it's just crazy how far uh, away he is. But, you know, that universe, that, those galaxies, they weren't created just for our existence. They're not there so that we exist. They're there to reveal his glory because it is about him. You know, we gather in his name. It's that God whose name we're gathering in today. It's that God that we've come to worship today. No wonder the angels in heaven, it says in Revelation, no wonder they just fall on their faces when they see him. I thought, you know, I've always prayed, God, I want to know you. God, I want to see you. And then I started reading and I realized everyone who saw God was like this. Man, it would be me and you as well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? They shout, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're not singing the Bieber version. They're singing, screaming, shouting night and day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's the one who always was. He's the one who always is. He's the one who's still to come. They say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God. To receive glory, you receive honor, you receive power, because you created all of it. I mean, there is no one like you. There is truly no one like you, and it all exists because you, it, you created what you pleased. And you know what's really crazy when we look at that and think, oh, God's so far away, and we begin to pray our prayers. Oh, dear God, 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 I know you're a million miles away, away, away. If you could just hear my little prayer, 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 and we think he's way out there. You know what's really crazy when we think about that God? that the truth of these verses rings true? In Psalm 8, it's that God, it's that God who's mindful of me. It's that God who's mindful of you this morning. That's crazy. You know, in Isaiah 40, it's that God who gives power to the weak. We don't use the, the Isaiah 40 verse from this one very often. We just go a couple verses later and put it on our, on our coffee mugs. You know, they'll rise up with wings like eagles, you know. But it's that God who gives that strength. Romans 8, it says it's that God who's for you. You know, no wonder Paul could say, who cares what's against me? It's that God who is for me. And John three sixteen, it's that God who loves you. Man, he shouldn't. You know, when you think, who are we? Where did my golf ball go? Who are we? That that God loves us. That that God loves you. That is pretty incredible. You know, can you imagine what it would be like if that God came to the planet? (laughs) Paul wrote to the Colossians. He said, yeah, you know what? Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The God that we can't see and we can't seem to figure out and imagine in our mind. That, That God he says he's, he came and, and Christ was the visible image. You want to know what that God in a body looks like? It's Jesus. And no wonder he could do things that we all thought were impossible. He says he existed before anything was created. He's supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. It wasn't all about us. Somehow sin has made it all about us. You know, John, John had the privilege of being an eyewitness of this, this, that God walking the planet in a body. And man, he just says, you know, I, I just wrote some of the miracles and some of the signs that he could do and that he did. 
You know, he says at the end of his book in John 21, he says, Jesus did many other things. But if they were all written down, he says, you know what, I, I don't think the world, the, the globe, I don't think it could contain all the books. Like, there's that much that he did. He says, I just wrote a few of them down because I want you to believe. I want you to believe that that God really came to this planet and that he really rose from the dead. And you're like, I can't understand how somebody could rise from the dead. Is it possible that our finite minds can't understand but that that God probably has a way that that can happen? If he can create all of that, if he can measure that in his hand, <laughs> is rising from the dead really that impressive for someone like him? See, I think we've just got so focused on the things, the big problems in our life that we have lost. Maybe just for myself, lost that view of just how big God truly is John said he's too big for one book. I'll say he's too big for one message. You know, if you have the thoughts, you know, does God really love me? Maybe you wonder that. I know as a teen, I wondered that all the time. Does God really love me? You know what Paul would say? Paul would say, man, I wish you'd just build a bigger box that you'd know how high, how wide, how deep his love for you really is. Man, he's, he's love. This God loves you incredibly. Is it, you know, and so others are like, well, is God just love and, and no judgment? That's the God I want. I'm afraid you're going to have to build a bigger box too. Because his goodness demands that there would be justice for crimes committed. And humanity created, you know, we, we, we committed high treason against that God. I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know what humanity was thinking. And yet, it's that God and his goodness and his mercy who gives us a second chance, a way out. You know, can that God forgive me? Peter would tell you, man, I, I, <laughs> I disowned and I, and, and, I, and I denied the God of the universe walking on the planet. And yet he sat on a beach with me to forgive me because that's what's truly amazing. That God isn't somewhere distant. He wants to come close to you and to me, to each of us. You know, I think as we kind of wrap up today, our intelligent minds want to try and figure it all out. Like, if we can't figure it all out, well, then it can't be. You know, this, there's got to be another solution that there, then there was a God, a designer who created all that. There's got to be another way. Our intelligent minds can't fathom such childish stories. You know, I'd love to see all of our intelligent minds on the planet get together and sit around a table and create a grain of salt. You'll see them scratching their intelligent heads over and over and over again because they can't even do that. They can't create a grain of sand, and yet, you know, a blade of grass, a leaf out of nothing, they can't do it, and yet... All they get to do is discover what something, someone much more intelligent, much more incredible has designed and created for them. You know, his thoughts, definitely higher than our thoughts. But we've built this little brain box that we try and stuff him in. You know, this week I finished reading a book called Through Gates of Splendor. If you haven't read it, it's a powerful story. It's old. It's a story of Nate Saint, Jim Elliott, a couple other um, missionaries who wanted to reach the remote tribes of uh, Ecuador, places that had never heard about the name of Jesus before. You know, as I read about this, these men just felt such an excitement, such a compulsion to go and, <laughs> and tell, the, tell the, the whole world about that God. You know, if you know the story, they flew an airplane over top of these tribes and they realized that every person who ever approached these men on, on the ground, they just got a spear through the gut right away. They were dead instantly. These men were experts with their spears. And so they decided we'll fly a plane over and we'll drop gifts to them and we'll shout out Aka phrases that we've learned from, from others and try and let these men know that we're friendly. They, 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 they dropped gifts and they'd leave a bucket down there and, and the, the Aka tribe would send gifts back up to them and they're like, hey, we're getting somewhere. There's a, there's a friendship here somewhere. And they felt, man, like God, the God of the universe is aligning things for us to be able to reach this tribe. And so 
They decided to build a treehouse down on the beach nearby, and they told the Aka tribe as they flew over, they're like, come to the beach, come to the beach. And so then they said to their wives, they said, you know, we've seen the men start coming to the beach to check out our treehouse when we're not there. It's time. We're going to go down there, and we're going to meet them, and we're going to share with them the love of Jesus. And so they, they, just, they came up with this plan that they five of them would fly in, and their wives were listening on the radio back home. They said, 4 o'clock, we're going to come and give you a report of how it went. Can you picture five wives sitting in this little hut, you know, a little, a little ways, you know, a few kilometers away, listening on the radio at four o'clock with bated breath? Man, what is God going to do in this moment? No answer. They thought maybe the radio's broken, but no answer. And there was no answer the rest of that evening. There was no answer the next day. Finally, they sent another plane over, and as they flew over, they saw, they found their plane. You know, their plane was destroyed down on the beach. And sure enough, they saw these things that looked like bodies floating in the river. I just, heart sunk. Like, how, God, well, how could, like those men in Israel, God, how, how could this happen? If we were doing this in your name, how, how, how could this happen? And sure enough, as they flew down and landed on that beach, they found that their worst fears were confirmed. These men had all been killed by the Akas. I thought, God, you know, this was, the, this was, us, our, this was us doing your will, God. How, is, how did this happen? You know, as, if it was your spouse, I don't know what you would do. Man, I'd be pretty angry. I think you see in our world, it's like we want revenge. But for those five widows with their young children, they said, you know what? They need to know of God's forgiveness more than ever. Let's keep finding ways to reach out to them. And Elizabeth Elliot was one of the ones who reached out uh, to them. And you know, it's just fascinating is that some of, as they kept reaching out to them, some of those Aka soldiers, those Aka warriors actually became followers of Jesus and became friends of those families. A number of years ago, I actually got to meet, uh, hear this man, Nate Saint. This is the son of the guy who flew the plane. The guy standing to, to his uh, left right there is Minke. He's the one who actually killed his father. And here they were at an event talking about how God had reached this Aka nation through the blood of these men who said, we'll give our lives for that God, the God of the universe. May his will be done in, in and through our lives. Man, it's like a, it's a powerful thought. And we wonder, you know, Elizabeth Elliot, later she wrote an epilogue to the book. And she said, you know what, the, what I wrestle with, though? She says, the question is always there. It was there at the day one, and it's there 25 years later. Why did God allow those men to die? Why did they allow my husband to die? And they thought, you know, we want to try and wrap it up and make it neat that, you know, well, if thousands of Akas come to know Christ, well, then it was worth it. Then we can sort of make it work that, you know, God was somehow involved in all of this and it was part of the plan. And she says, you know what? She says, that's just our sinful nature, just in the same way saying, God, you, you do what we want you to do. Not realizing that, that he's got a much bigger plan in place and that he's given choices and that sometimes the choices people make result in tragic endings. But she said later on, this is what she wrote. She says, you know, if after all of the things that happened with the Akas and that some came to know the Lord and that there was some, the, the, the Akas ended up getting polio as a result of being reached by these outsiders, uh, along with all these other things, she said this, you know, when I sit back and I reflect on it all, here's the bottom line. And just don't miss this. She said this, when I think about it all and what I've learned from the Akas story is this, God is God. God is God. And if he's God, then he's worthy of my worship and he's worthy of my service. Not the other way around. He says, I, she said, I'll find rest nowhere but in his holy will that it's unspeakably beyond my largest notions of what he's up to. That the God who's bigger, bigger than anything we can imagine, 
that his will and his plans are bigger than anything that we might fully understand. And yet his goodness still makes him the one worth serving, the one worth living for, the one worthy of our worship. She later found in her husband's journal that he wrote these words, I know that I'm going into a dangerous spot and I may lose my life. But he writes these famous words. He says, you know what? He's no fool who gives up what he can't keep to gain what he cannot lose. What a powerful thought. Man, how many of us, I'll put my name at the top of the list, live our lives in this, in this day and time as if it's all about us. We live as if, you know, everything we're trying to do is for us and about us and in and, and our own things. And, you know, God, would you, would you help make my stuff work? How many people pray, you know, prayers of that, that God's like the cosmic vending machine? God, if you, you know, I'll put in my prayer, please give me the answer. You know, or if I'm like, God, if he, how many have prayed? You know, we got to give God advice. God, if you could just help the conservatives get elected in the states, you know, the, the, or the, you know, the Republicans or whatever, if you could just help make that happen, it'll be better for all the countries. It'll be better for the world, God. <laughs> remember your place? <laughs> Do we remember our place? You know, I pray that, you know, lives that are lived in fear would realize that God is for you, that lives full of doubt would realize it's that God that we've come to serve. It's that God who rescued us. For those who are burdened with guilt, that it's that God who set you free. I had somebody ask me this week, you know, can Satan hear your prayers? I'm like, does it matter if that God can hear your prayers? <laughs> Satan's nothing compared to that God. But do we live our lives like that? And so this morning, my question is, do we need a bigger box? And I pray that we have no box at all. I just don't know if our humanity can handle no box at all. But, man, that we would live our life realizing that that is the God we serve. And I guess the question is, are we really serving him? Or are we somehow thinking that we're putting him in the box where he serves us? I pray our minds are blown this morning, and I pray that our lives are changed as a result of it. You know, we're going to have a few questions that we're going to chat about this morning. You know, the, the things that I'd love for you in your house party, or if you're just watching alone, call someone that you see chatting on the screen. Say, hey, can we chat about these questions? Because I think it's important that we do, and here in the building, we'll do the same thing. You know, what jumped out at you from today's talk? What do you think God was, like, prompting in your heart today? You know, in what ways do you think that you might have God in a box? What are some of the things you're like, you know what, to be honest, in these areas of my life, I feel like I'm trying to get him to serve me. Or I have these limits on, you know, because he didn't answer the way I hoped and thought that, man, I don't think, he, I don't think he's God of the impossible anymore. And then finally, how do you think having a proper perspective of who God really is would affect the way you pray, would affect the way you worship, would affect the way you live? You know, this morning as I was driving in, I just put on that hymn, O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Do we have awesome wonder for that? You know, I see the stars, hear the rolling thunder, your power throughout the universe, it's displayed. And when you think about that, then sings my soul, my Savior, my God to thee, how great you are. How great you are. How great you are. May our perspective be changed to that. So, Heavenly Father, say it this morning, how great you are, and yet our minds don't fully understand. Would you open our hearts and minds to truly understand who you are? Holy Spirit, would you lead us into truth this morning? Would you guide us into the truth that you desire for each of us this morning? May our, may our lives really be affected. May, may tomorrow be affected knowing that 
we have the God of the universe with us. May the way we speak with one another and speak to you be so affected by that. God, I pray that our world would see who you really are. I just want to say thank you that in all of your greatness that you thought of us as worth loving, worth saving, (laughs) worth giving your life for. It's truly, truly unimaginable. But thank you from the bottom of our heart to yours. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's in your amazing and powerful and wonderful name that I pray. Amen.